World fan cast. This is episode 51. I'm Siege. And I'm T Sizzle. How did you feel about this episode? I actually liked okay. this episode. Okay. Because it feel it felt to me like Boy Meets World is recognizing uh, the formula a little bit more uh-huh. in the sense that we don't have 20 stories going on. I did enjoy sense, that. Yeah, in the <laughs> sense that there was like one tale, like predominant tale throughout that I felt like was really well written. Like there's things that they talk about in the beginning of the episode that they reference again at the end of the episode. It ties together really nicely. Um, so I, I thought it was a good uh, one of the better episodes we've seen in a while. But it did feel like a really good season two episode. I'll say that. Ooh, that's a good way of putting it. I have thoughts. And I have like some themes that I think, as usual, Boy Meets World brings up without really exploring. And I sure. think it would explore more now. But uh, let's get into the Tell Me About It. Tell me about it. Okay. I gotta pick a different song that's a little easier for me to sing. The Billy Joel's very high. Okay, alright, you know what? We'll give it time. We, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll explore it. <laughs> alright, this is Season 3, Episode 5, Hometown Hero. Corey and Sean sneak into the chemistry lab and accidentally start a fire, which Corey also puts out. However, he gets more than he bargained for when he is labeled a hero. Will Corey do the right thing and tell the truth, or will he let people continue to think he's something he's not? Uh, in a B storyline, Eric wants to be a weatherman. <laughs> um, I thought that this was a classic Boy Meets World morality tale. Absolutely. This kind. This is why when you said season two, I was like, yes, because we kind of feels like it felt like the cherry bomb episode, but from Corey's perspective. I the reason why I thought it felt like a season two episode is because the main motivation is I don't want to just be a somebody. I want to be like a <sighs> be- I want to. I don't want to yes. just be Corey. I want to be something special. Yes. And so like that's for me is what made it feel very season two. Yeah. Um, so before we get into that, I want to do a little bit of the roll call sure, sure. because I think the characters in here kind of lead into some of the themes. Um, so let me see. There's no real credit. One of the ones that we got was Troy Ackman. Yes. Um, and I player. wanted to talk about Troy Ackman because he brings up this idea of the privilege of sports and, and the special treatment you get by being a hero. Um, but specifically a hero in high school, which is a superficial hero. Can I ask you, um, did you observe jocks getting special treatment in high school? Absolutely. And I always, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I, like, one of the most mind-opening moments of my childhood and definitely of the high school um, years was when I played football for one semester, wore a um, jersey... Again, down the hallway, and I was treated with recognition and special treatment in a way I just did not. I just could not understand. Like, I was the same person. I had been going to this school for years. But for some reason, by having a football uniform on, I became someone at school. And I remember that moment so vividly. Like, strangers, like, trying to talk to me in the hallway. And, like, just, like, again, a sense of respect and I hadn't played yet. I had just put on the jersey. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, that's how Corey essentially felt. I mean, uh, 
seeing other people get by, especially in something like science where he probably struggles a lot, him and Sean, um, I can imagine like him getting that same treatment probably meant so much to him as far as just like, wow, I'm really getting somewhere in the high school hierarchy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Which was so important to him last season. Yeah, which brings us to Dr. Sorrell, which yes. is like the uh, chemistry teacher who, uh, played by Jim Jansen, he's in several things. He's like a character actor. I never yeah. really knew his name. But he is just not even subtle with it. Just straight up in front of students is like, oh, you're a football player? Then don't even worry about it. Oh, you have basketball after football? Then your your grade's on me. You're right. He's not <laughs> so at all. It's almost just like it's... He's so cavalier about it that it's almost just suspiciously cavalier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, is this how everyone treats it? Because he's so open with it. He doesn't care what other students are seeing him get this treatment. You're right. It's like, for me, one thing that I'm going to introduce now that I think I may, like, bring up. We always talk about how the intro is who's important to Corey. Yeah. Um, and with this season, I'm starting to think that this season is told through Corey's eyes, like a surrealist retelling. You know what I mean? Because it's like, for that teacher to be that obvious with it, that's like, that's a story you sure you sure, tell, yeah. and you're like, it was like blatant. And it's like, I don't think it was that blatant in real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it wouldn't be that blatant in real life. But this, this was just done without... Any. <laughs> sure, sure. And I feel like Feeney wouldn't allow that. Look, we know Feeney wouldn't allow that. For it to be this obvious, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I don't think Feeney would tolerate something like that, but I guess it's just like going all under Feeney's nose. I, I guess he's not as involved as we think he is. <laughs> he's always focused on the same three kids. I wonder why he wouldn't. <laughs> For Eric. Yeah, you're Eric right, you're is right. a prime example of, of um, Feeney. At least acknowledging someone out of our sure, sure, sure. Okay, so um, I'll, from there though, I did want to say, what's your experience with like being treated differently? Do you, did you notice it? Was there anything that you know? It it is interesting because there were a few times like I was on homecoming court a few times. You were and so like I I do remember that feeling of just like getting recognized in the hallways and things like that and it being this thing where it felt cool mm -hmm. but it, i don't know it wasn't something that i was like obsessed with the way Corey seemed to be or at mm -hmm. least he was it, he, this seems to be something that he didn't even really want until sean was like no go for it bro and then he really leaned in um but my experience was was it was very noticeable uh, and almost like, especially when you're a kid in high school, to get any kind of special treatment whatsoever, especially from older kids, to get acknowledgement and get the you know yeah. the, the fist bump from the older kids, yeah. that's when you know you've made it. Yeah. So it's really funny because what I wrote in this is like, this episode is a perfect example of and reminded me a lot of the um, writing trope of the hero's journey, which is just like, you have a hero who has a need, he gets that need fulfilled, the need is not what he thought it would be. He changes growth. Mm -hmm. You know, and like that's kind of like, and this is exactly what happens with Corey. Corey is like, I just want to be someone exceptional. He immediately becomes someone exceptional and is now the hero and has that label. Sure. But he starts to change. He's not who he was. It gets out of his control. He realizes it's not him. And then he has this come to Jesus moment, so to speak. Uh, and that's that's literally what I thought about. Um, 
And like so much so, like I thought I was like speaking of like the surreal part of just this particular episode, I was like, is everyone trolling Corey? Like I kept waiting for it to be like some saved by the bell, we're all in on it type lesson. Because and the reason why I say that is we don't see the school in any kind of disarray. Like sure. for the flames to be as high as they make it out to be, or for everyone to be applauding Corey the way that it is, you expect the school to be like shut down. Or there to be like some kind of we can't go in this part of the school because the smoke and the fire just got out of control. I would have really liked to have seen Corey go back in and stop the fire and Janitor Bud becoming aware and like just seeing a little bit of that. I know why they did it because uh, when it go to commercial, they want to leave us wondering like, <laughs> if the school's still intact. Yeah. But um, I could have used a little bit more context. It just reminded me of like any other show that in the, especially in the nineties that does like an accidental fire, you see the consequences. Yeah. Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. Um, I think I know there's one in Family Matters. I was gonna say Family Matters, and I think there's one in Saved by the Bell where again it's like there is damage. Yeah. To a set, of course, but, like, it's supposed to be this particular area. To a ridiculous degree. And there's just, like, a tarp put over it, and, like, even that would have made it seem like, oh, there was actual damage here, something newsworthy. Other than that, it seems like the fire was contained relatively quickly, and... Yeah, like, why build that whole chemistry room set to just use for the opening that's my point open. Yeah. <laughs> like even if you were just going to use that corner you could just put a tarp over there and have us imagine how bad the damage was sure. have Feeny talk about how bad the damage was um but maybe also it's like not really wanting to go into that because Corey starts a fire and technically this is a crime <laughs> i was gonna say i was gonna say that we are glossing over a very big uh plot point in this which is that uh, Sean and Corey uh, commit trespassing and arson. Yeah, absolutely. To a school. <laughs> and that was one of the things that I saw. I was like, oh, so we're just going to go by this. And it's interesting how this show plays off like trespassing and arson with the same kind of ha-ha as like pulling a prank on Eric or something. Like it's it's... They're kind of all over the place as far as morality is like, what's a good thing? What's a bad thing? It's almost like if the boy's intent was okay, then it doesn't matter how big it was. Exactly. I mean, this is television, so, and, and 90s television. So we're not going to go into the real legal consequences of sure. something like this um, because he's supposed to be in a safe environment and Feeney is in charge. So even at the end, when he does get like, he gets like Saturday school. And you're like, oh, that's the consequences for setting a fire? I was <laughs> I was very interested in seeing what the news reporter fallout would have been. Like, that seems like you brought this all the way here. People are working at night. Like, these guys can yeah, be at home yeah. with their families. So, I have, I have a, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. But um, I want to talk about um, the fire itself. And the, So, first of all, one of the reasons why Corey is seen as a hero is also because he saved Janitor Bud's life. And it's really important that we get this resurgence of Janitor Bud because he's going to be important in upcoming episodes. But also, I I do feel like there is this duality. Corey did, in a way, although passively, save a life. And it's right for Janitor Bud to be appreciative. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's a life that would have been lost because of Corey, too. So it's almost that thing of, like, it should be even Stevens at this point. Like, I, I don't see how Janitor Bud should have this admiration for Corey once he 
figures out the truth because um, I, I do want to say that the reason why Corey and Sean sneak into this chemistry room is to turn in the paper, uh -huh. which Sean said his conclusion at the end was that <laughs> chemicals don't explode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he, and then he, that, that, I will say that was a bit of fun in the beginning because he was like, oh man, that's what the end of my paper yeah. said. He's like, when you get back up there, could you change it? <laughs> but yeah, also I could not help but think that this is something to where like, I don't know if it would happen nowadays because you would just email your professor. Sure. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, you would just email it. You have to end of day. Do that well, way. and I, that's, I mean, I would like to get into w what story Corey told people, because he makes it seem like, oh, I was just walking home. So this is what, the, like, yeah, I said, when we talk about the fire, it's like, it's kind of this thing where at first he doesn't tell a lie. And they always have that where Corey doesn't start the lie himself. There is an assumption. Yeah. Like, Generative buds, like I know what you did. I saw you run from the school. Um, you stopped the fire, and it's very easy to be like, "No, I was home last night." And Corey, Corey <laughs> did a really uh, a great like thing where Generative buds, like, "I saw you last night. I saw you." And Feeny's like, "Is this true?" And Corey says, "Well, if he says he saw me, then he saw me." Not saying yes, he did see me. I was here. It was just no. If he said he saw me, then he saw me. And again, it's like there's this thing of like Corey trying to be truthful, but also if you're trying to evade, like I love how I think it. I think it's Sean where General Bud's like, "I know what you did last night." He's like, "What do you know about what I did last yeah. night?" It's, not, it's like this this smart approach to it, and I just feel like I wanted more of that. But as I was saying, the assumption is that. Corey is the one who did it, and therefore everyone applauds him, and that's, like, immediately when you see Sean even be like, all right, good, we got away with it, but then as the perks keep coming, and the football game is dedicated to him, and there's a parade, and all these extravagant TV things, again, which is what makes me think that Corey is the one telling this story, sure. like a Wonder Years type situation, um, it it starts to dawn on Sean that Corey is starting to believe his own hype. And that's when he goes up there and he's like, the flames were this high. And like, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. he goes, oh yeah, yeah. Cause that's when he's talking to the football team who, by the way, um, not one black person, but Hispanics and whites. So well, there's something interesting to know what the, their, their team would well, be like. <laughs> see, it's Philadelphia. We know black people don't live in Philadelphia. <laughs> I know, at least they don't attend this school. Well, actually, I take that back because there was a black cheerleader. But it was weird to me. As a kid, I remember thinking, like, oh, West Philadelphia must be where all the black people are. <laughs> That's what I kept singing <laughs> in my head. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting because you're right. Corey wasn't into this, uh, the whole hype of everything. Then he, Sean's like, no, dude, like, this is great, encourages it. And he starts uh, getting into it. And it's interesting because Sean's like, oh, I feel like you're believing your own hype. But I read it as, like, Sean was kind of jealous. So I was going to ask that because I'm so glad you brought that up. It's literally in my notes to be like, is Sean jealous or is he, we've seen this before. He doesn't like when Corey's trying to be someone he's not. And when Corey leans into this idea of I've gotten a little bit of recognition, my head immediately goes big. Yeah. And that's not why Sean is with like, friends with Corey, and I think that's almost always turned him off about Corey when Corey does that. However, I did say, when you see someone like Corey, this was another one of my moments where I wanted to bring it up, you see someone like Corey 
who in Sean's eyes has everything. And now you see him get praised for a crime you literally saw him commit. that, And you encourage yeah. him to accept responsibility for. <laughs> then at that point in time, is it jealousy or is it a combination of the two? What are your thoughts? I think it's probably a combination of the two. I think what I saw was that Sean says to Corey the same thing Corey said about the jock in the beginning, which is be careful when you believe your own hype. And it's interesting because I didn't know if that was to foreshadow Corey having a similar path to this jock, or if it was just showing how there's always going to be someone fucking hating if you're given something free. And <laughs> it seems as though when the jock was getting these free passes, like, Corey was the one hating, and then Corey got these free passes, and now Sean's the one hating. I'm sure if something were to happen where Sean was all of a sudden gifted with all this praise and admiration, he may not feel the same way. And so I, I do think it's a combination of both in, in, like, a hard way. I don't think it's one or the other. So you're saying that this episode is trying to say haters gonna hate, 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 hate. Yes. <laughs> that's one of the lessons, is haters gonna hate, 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 hate. <laughs> Um, so, but then, of course, with these lies, yep. it all, as always, it gets bigger as Corey's tales do, um, and all of a sudden, he finds himself in this situation because Eli has these connections at the news, uh, station, and he's like, guess what? I booked you to go on Philadelphia tonight. Can I just say, um, <laughs> arranging for someone to do a live news telecast without asking their permission or giving, like, an okay from... It seems very presumptuous on Eli's part. Absolutely. And then also for me, I was like, why is it that in TV, news segments are always live? Yeah. Like, there's no recording, pre-recording, and, like, all this other stuff. It's just like, nope, we're going on live TV right now. And it's like, you know you could just record the, the video cameras for <laughs> it's a special interest piece. There's no reason. They're not corresponding with anyone back in the in the office, like in the Yeah, trial. exactly. Like, there's no reason. Um and it just leads to exactly what ended up happening, which is shit going wrong. Absolutely. Also, why would you go to his house and not interview him at the school? Again, puppies. Yeah. Like like this is you would want to be at the school where this was done. You would want like like I feel like again we're looking into this too big, but it's like the family doesn't need to be there. I yeah, mean, like, I you, need the par- say, you need the parents' permission. And that's one thing I was like, Eli definitely should have, like, ran it by yeah. Alan and Amy before you sign up their kid. I wonder if he and the parents, like, coordinated it without talking to Corey. Well, this is why I'm saying This is what made me be like, is everyone trolling Corey? Because it just seemed like everyone was like, we're going to keep praising you again until you kind of admit and it's also because, like, I was unsure because Feeney early on is just like, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> and now I was going to ask you if Feeney knew straight out that it was a lie or if he just knew something was up. Because it almost seems like the moment Corey's like, yeah, I did this, Feeney's like, I don't believe you're capable of that. Like, that's the vibe I got. I don't know. Well, that's funny because later on in the episode, uh, Feeney was like, I had my suspicions because I know your character. And yeah. he's like, what? He's like... I know what you're capable of. But I was like, did you just call him? Like, like I think you just said he wasn't capable of being a hero. Yeah. Like, like, that's not Corey's thing. Corey doesn't run into buildings. Sure. Um, but no, I think that Feeney knew there was more to the story. Yeah. And I think that's what I got from him. Like, Feeney was like, again, I don't, I can't quite put my hand on it, but I, I've known you 
your entire life. I live next door to you. I don't see you running into the school. Sure. And not telling me your yeah. next door neighbor slash principal. Sure. And, and it was also, it was like, Corey came home. His parents didn't know. I mean, Sean was really the only one who knew. And I guess they were planning on keeping it that way, too. Yeah. So that's really interesting. It's also interesting that he lied to Topanga, yet we never really see anything of that. Um, so, about Topanga. First of all, high ponytail, looking good. I was Love here it. for it. Um, but it. also, yeah, I was like, this is weird because they, in this episode, establish her as, like, his girl. Like, the missus and all this other stuff. But we rarely see her other than being supportive girlfriend. And she's referred, again, she's just referred to, um, Jennifer Bud gives her, like, an office, what does he call it? An office, uh, oh, uh, a genie. A locker genie. A locker yeah. genie, yeah. For he his gets, locker. Yeah, for, but she gets one, too. He's yeah. like, it comes with perks. And I was just like, but we don't even see Topanga get it. We see her hand it back. Yeah. But there's just, like, no real, I don't know, I just, And also, course. like, if, if her boyfriend were going to be on TV, why wouldn't she be at the house at night? Like, why wouldn't she be more involved in what was happening? Why not have her break into the school with Sean and Corey and her get mad that she got dragged into this? Like, it's just interesting how little she's involved when it's like, either have her in the episode or don't. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm almost like that. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think that we could get rid of... Some of, like, the Eric wanting to be a weatherman thing and have Topanga be more part of this story. I, I will say that I thought um, the pep rally they had when Eric came up, I thought Wilfred was charming as fuck. Like, oh, of course. he like, He's very charming. I will say, too, that um, we got a few great moments here. We got, like, a Feeny and Corey by the fence moment, um, which I thought was really great. And I also love that Corey came forward... Um, without being caught first. I do like that he did that without getting caught, but I wanted to talk about the kind of like that that little period in between where like Corey's really anxious. And again, now that he's gonna be on TV, he Eric, he like confesses to Eric. Um, he and Sean have that talk in his bedroom about, like, letting it get this far. And yeah. that's one of the things that I thought. I was like, Corey could have said no at any point in time. Sure. And Corey doesn't. Well, uh, but Corey could have easily gone on the news and told the same story that he told at the pep rally. And the only person who would have known would have been Sean. And it was one of those things where... Um, did you ever watch the show The League? Uh, I only watched a little bit of the first season. Okay, so um, one of the actors on the league, his name was Stephen Ranzazes or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, he got caught in this really massive lie because he had this story about how he was working for Merrill Lynch on the 50th floor of the World Trade Center on 9-11 and that he was there the morning it happened. And he told the story and he said, like, this is what made him want to go and pursue comedy in the West Coast. Wait, and is this real life? This is real life. And then he got a call from a New York Times reporter that was like, "Hey, I want I, I I've been hearing this story about you, and it was one of the, uh, like, I've been hearing this story about you, and I just have a few questions because you said you worked for Merrill Lynch, but we're looking, and there was no Merrill Lynch office in the, the in the World Trade Center. Yeah. And so he he was like, 
I guess it called up to him and he was like, all right, I got to come out with this. And he went on like Howard Stern, I think. And he was just like, basically it was the story that like I told for reasons I don't even know in front of people I didn't think it would matter. And then those people ended up becoming more important in my life. And I just had to keep going with it. And I, but it was just, it was me seeing a person who came forward, but only when shit was about to hit the fan that he was going to get caught. It wasn't this, you know what? I've, earned some success, but I feel guilty about this. I want to come forward on my own free will the way Corey did. So that's why I relate the two, because I do think there is something noble about what Corey did. I, I mean, like, I guess we could... Let, let, let's talk about that. Because for me, I think that Corey only did it because it was it involved going on national television. And I think that part is like... The, it's kind of like... Philadelphia Tonight is the phone call from the Wall Street Journal or who, whoever you said sure, it was. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, that was his idea of, oh, this is about to get out of hand really quickly. Because any story you tell on the news will be checked. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, that is definitely... Yeah, I guess you're an right. idea Where it's like, again, he's talking about the flames and every everything that we heard him say, there would be a fire marshal who could confirm this claim sure you know what i mean yeah. and that's my point is that there is definitely a fireman out there somewhere who knows the source of that fire and Corey would have to have some onus of the truth if that yeah. came forward also it's really funny to me because i mean i think we've all i don't know if you have or not but i've definitely been guilty of like telling a lie that just continue sure, yeah but what i did was stop telling that lie yeah. i think what it, the problem is is when you continue to tell that story to more and more people and then more and more people have to be like wait a minute what yeah whereas exactly. if you tell the lie and then it's gone out of the circle that it was supposed to stop telling that lie yeah hey didn't you tell me you used to be twins or like like that your twin brother i don't know um worked for obama back in 2008 no, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think there's people who still think I'm Samoan. <laughs> That's such Probably. a good lie for you. Yeah, because I just I always got sick of people like asking me the question, "What are you?" So I would just tell them. I was I would tell people. Here's the thing. This is this is TC's <laughs> big reveal. Hey, the time has finally come. No, <laughs> I would tell people because I really feel like I could pass as a mixture of anything as long as it's an interesting enough combination. Absolutely. So I said I would tell people I'm like, oh yeah, my mom is from Cambodia, but my dad is from Jamaica, and people would look at me and go. Okay, I can see that. But eventually I would just tell people I was Samoan because it was the fastest answer I could give and it was interesting. That is crazy. I kind of love it way more than I should because yeah. it's such a good lie. That's hard. Like, again, unless someone comes to you um, or to your mother, you're really not going to double check on It's that. interesting. I said it on a first date one time, not thinking anything will come with it. <laughs> I ended up being in a relationship with that person for a very long time. They told their parents I was Samoan, and I had to, like, come oh, forward. No. <laughs> and I was like, this is so stupid. <laughs> they were really, they were kind of upset about it, kind of shady. I was like, this is funny. Like, we should be laughing at this. Actually, it's, you know, it's really funny. Uh, I guess this is, like, just confession hour. When I first met my boyfriend, I gave him a... I mean, we weren't boyfriends at the time, but I gave him a false name. And I, I, I just had a false name... Because it was like, you don't need to know all my information. It's whatever. But after like the second date, I was like, okay, I have to 
tell you something. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but again, I didn't continue it. I was like, oh, this seems like it's going somewhere. I'm going to course correct this now and deal with any of the consequences that come with it rather than letting it grow. And then you'd be like, wait a minute. I thought you said your name was. <laughs> and you know what? I respect that. Because the thing is that you don't know, you don't owe anyone the damn truth. Really, just random strangers? <laughs> fuck them. Who cares? Yeah, that's my whole thing. And like, for me, don't get me wrong. In certain ways, like, it's like, why lie? And as you said, I'm sure at the time it was like, a quick one-off, but I I believe in course correcting early on, or as I said um, in this, just not spreading it anymore. Just like, didn't you tell me you were Simone? No. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, if I tell the restaurant hostess that my name is Shaft, then my name is Shaft for that night. <laughs> yes, like, exactly. it doesn't matter. You need to believe it as long as you need to believe it. But the moment it gets out of your control, I'm like immediately drop yeah. it. I guess that's where I'm at. Like, Same. Drop it immediately and just be like. Um, didn't you tell me that? Girl, I say a lot of things when yeah, I'm yeah. drunk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, but speaking of which, the confession, it's like this whole thing of, I think we've seen it early on with Corey and the tall tale heart thing of yeah. like the guilt leaning on him and he calls dear Abby or like some kind of radio host. Corey's conscience plays a very big part in his decision making uh, when it when it gets down to the wire. Yes, yes, yes. And my whole thing with that is a, I hate that. That's like literally one of my pet peeves. It's like if you're going to lie, either stick with it or own up that you lied. Yeah. But like you can't do this toggle. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, and we kind of see Corey deal with it. But I also kind of love Sean's just kind of like stepping back and be like, hey, man, you got yourself into it being this big. Get yourself out. Well, and I love that Alan says the same thing about, like, hey, you're going to be the one who tells the news reporter that this is going to show. I love that, and I love that you brought that up, because that's one of my notes, was that they talk about, during the segment, how great of a kid Corey is and the type of person Corey is. And you really do see them as good parents. Like, it's... I think even... The reporter says something along the lines of, how does it feel to be like, know that you raised a hero or something like that. And when they are confronted with the truth, they don't say, oh, we'll cover it up or you got to get out there. This is our 15 minutes. They're like, no. You started that fight? It was an accident. And you went on letting people assume you were a hero? What were you thinking? I was thinking I wanted to be somebody I wasn't. And I know, I know that was a mistake. Bigger mistake was not telling you guys the truth. Well, Corey, you've made a lot of mistakes here. Well, I just kept on hoping it would go away so that I wouldn't get in trouble. Well, it didn't, and you are. A, we're canceling it. We don't care that it was last minute. It's a last minute cancellation. Yeah. We're not going to have you go on television and tell a lie. And then you're going to be the one to tell her. And it's going to be uncomfortable, but this is only the beginning. Um... <laughs> Uh, can I also say that Amy was looking good? Come on, Amy. Amy was looking mad good in that dress. Just... Turned on by Amy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and I also just really like, um, you know, at the, Feeney says this great line where he's like, you know, a hero means different things to different people. And he says, you know, I think a man, I, I know a man who worked 30 years in the job he hated to support his family. And Corey's like, yeah, that sounds like a hero to me. 
And Feeney goes on to say that, like, you know, to me, a hero is someone who does the right thing when the right thing isn't the easy thing to do, um, which I just thought was just a great Boy Meets World moment. I, I felt like it was exactly what Corey needed to hear to make the right decision. And I feel like it's it's the lesson that we're all supposed to walk away for, uh, with, from this episode with. Yeah, no, I definitely looked at that and I was like, personally, I did not expect the Feeny by the Fence moment. And it like it kind of happened really naturally too. Like yeah. there was a reason for Feeny to be in the backyard. Like usually Feeny's like in the backyard and you're like, why are you outside? Sure. But like, no, the camera crew is in his garden. We all know how much Feeny loves his garden. And the moment he came outside, I was like, oh, a Feeny by the Fence moment. I didn't know this episode would have one. And when he says exactly what you said, um, I was like, this is a really good lesson. And Corey's even like, you know. He doesn't confess. Corey just goes and he's like, you know, don't you, Mr. Feeney? And Feeney says, I make no assumptions. I have no facts to prove my thoughts. And so, you know, it is what it is, kind yeah. of kind of to say. But I also know you as a person. Yeah. And that is, A, again, that little push that Corey needs to tell the truth. Um, and then also... I like that we see Feeney not judging. Not He's not um, the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off where he's like, sure, I'm going to yeah, catch yeah. you in this lie. That's not Feeney's style, and I, I like it. Yeah, definitely. Um, one other thing, just one last thing that I really loved about this episode, and, and to my point of this being a really well, a better written Boy Meets World episode, is there's a line that Corey says to Sean at the beginning where he's like, you know, I'm, I'm not just... Sean's friend or Corey's or, or Eric's brother like I'm I, I'm not my old name which was uh, hey kid move <laughs> and then at the end of the episode after it's all come out that he's lied um the jock comes back up to Corey and he says hey kid move and Corey's like oh hey I got my old name back yeah and I just thought that was a great little ribbon at the end of the at the end of the episode absolutely he goes back to being but again it's like how do you feel about the lack of consequences for Corey outside the Saturday school and losing your quote unquote throne. I mean, let's look at the facts. I mean, he trespassed into a school. <laughs> um, he committed arson. Um, he pulled a fire extinguisher. He fire alarm. Fire alarm. He uh, falsely accepted, uh, or I guess what would be fraud. Yeah. <laughs> um. So there's just a lot stacking the deck against them, but thank God he got away with it squeaky clean. I mean, Saturday school. <laughs> I've gotten Saturday school for wearing flip-flops. <laughs> for having my phone out in class, I've gotten Saturday school. This kid burns down the science lab? <laughs> Get out of here, man. I know, that's my whole thing. It's There are certain times with Boy Meets World where I'm like, I feel like the lesson you were teaching skips over the lesson that someone can take away from yeah. this. You know, which is, again, we always talk about um, just white privilege. Like, this ability. I, I mean, not even white privilege, but kind of class privilege. Remember, just going back to the Cherry Bomb episode, Sean was looking at, like, military school. Yeah. And there was, like, a huge... Um, fear of consequences. And maybe because Sean didn't go to military school... The boys were just like, ah, it'll be fine. You'll get a slap on the wrist. And <laughs> yeah. Because I'll tell you, I don't know if it's white privilege or class privi privilege, but we see Corey Matthews lie to everyone for almost 20 minutes of this episode. And then at the end of it, we walk away going, huh, he's such a great kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's just going to... Uh, did you have, like, any bra moments or anything like that? 
Um, broad moments? Not especially. I don't think so. There was never a moment that I was just like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Um, no, not really. Yeah, you know, honestly, not everyone's going to have one. But I did feel like, uh, oh, wait. Do you want to talk about Eric and the Weatherman storyline real quick? Eric wants to be a Weatherman. (laughs) (laughs) But I like that this is the, again, kind of the introduction of just Eric's goals. And also, Eric says specifically, that guy is just a head of hair and a smile. Yeah. And immediately, how's my hair and how's my smile? So I used to think that that drive to be a weatherman came from somewhere else, but it's literally just Eric seeing or Eric assessing the skills that he does have and wanting to be successful off that. Well, it's interesting too that it's not just that he wanted to be a weatherman for the looks. Like he showed up for the interview knowing prepared. prepared. He knew shit about weather. He was throwing out like meteorology terms. I like to look at Corey as a, a coastal eddy. See, he comes home from school heading east, having gathered strength over the ocean. Thank you. I'm going to get right to the point here. Has being a hero changed, Corey? Well, you know, Connie, I've also got some birthday wishes. Gorgeous Edna Stein is 100 years young today. Happy birthday, Edna! Eric, go to your room. Uh, Dad, this is live TV. I don't care. Uh, Back to you, Connie. Like, it definitely seems like something that... A dream that I kind of wish was nourished to fruition. Yeah. Um, because it seems like it was one of those things that he genuinely wanted for a while. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, it was cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, um, any Feeny taught me? Uh, just that, you know, his his line, hero means different things. Um, hero to me means someone who does the right thing when it isn't the easy thing to do. Do you think Feeny was talking about himself or his father when he told that little antidote? Maybe his father... 30 years at a job you hate. I mean, that would make sense considering because we know Feeney didn't have a close relationship with his father and he was like a drinker and if he's at a job he hates, yeah, that would make sense. Okay. Uh, what grade are you giving this? I'm giving this episode an A-. minus. Okay. I think it was a very well-written episode. I don't think it's the most entertaining episode that we've seen, but I think as far as just like the formula of Boy Meets World, like we had a morality lesson, we had, you know, all of our central cast mostly involved in this. Um, it didn't seem like, other than maybe some of the Eric stuff, that there was times where the episode slowed down a, a ton. Um, and I thought that they had a consistent, I thought they had a consistent message that they were trying to tell from the beginning throughout the end of the episode. So for that reason, yeah, I'm giving it a minus. See, I'm gonna give it a B, um, but I'm only giving it a B because I. As I said earlier, I feel like, A, we're kind of bringing up something we've already done before. Sure. Um, B, they don't really use all the characters the way that they should. As you said, Topanga's, like, not used. There's a lot of, like, illogic to me. And I was just like, I feel like you guys could have made this tighter and better. Um, And then also the lack of consequences for Corey. I mean, even if we would have saw Corey in Saturday School at the end, that would have made more sense to me than just him in the hallway, and the only thing he lost was his notoriety. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, um, but I really love the lesson, and I really love Alan and Amy stepping up to the plate, um, and that's that's my goal. All right. Any homework? Um, Yeah. I mean, I was planning to talk about the Chance the Rapper album, but it was awful. Um, (laughs) Aw. So I'm going to bring up two things. Lizzo has a Tiny Desk concert, an NPR Tiny Desk concert, and it's 
phenomenal. I yep. suggest everyone take time, go to YouTube, search Lizzo NPR Tiny Desk, and watch an amazing performance from an ultra-talented musician. Lizzo, back-to-back. Back. I'm here for I'm, it. I'm loving it. I'm <laughs> loving it. Um, and I also, just because of the climate of everything... Um, if you get a chance, go back and watch Bowling for Columbine. It's a fantastic <laughs> documentary, and it really, it's so interesting to see where we were with the state of guns in our country in the 90s, and comparing it to now, and just to really seeing that, like, the same issues that plagued us then are the same issues that plague us now, and it's, it's one of those things where it's very easy to get frustrated with um, what's happening. Oh, but, you think? <laughs> but it's even almost more frustrating to see that, like, nothing has really changed at all. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's a dope documentary. I like Michael Moore, so if you're into it um, and you haven't seen it, I would suggest watching it. And, I have never seen Bowling for I, Columbine. Yeah, I think it's streaming, and it's, it's I Amazon, I think. Um, and I just think he's a phenomenal filmmaker. Like, anytime he tells a story, um, I really feel like we're hearing... Um, you know, someone from middle America talk about the struggles that affect everyday Americans. So that's really good. Yeah, I'm actually really glad. Well, now I feel cheesy about mine. Oh, but <laughs> um, this this episode reminded me of there's a new show on Amazon Prime called The Boys. The name doesn't really make sense, but just check it out. It's about if superheroes were like really in the world, but like they take that whole Marvel idea and really put it, it's like, if superheroes were real in the world, well, first of all, they'd have a PR firm, everything would be tied to merchandising. It's really like, basically, capitalism is well, the yeah. real enemy, um, and heroes are human beings, so um, what happens when you exalt a human being that high? And... Of course, there's corruption, and there's just the other side of it. And I really like it. It was really relevant to this episode, because to see, again, someone, like, want to be a hero. They're, another one of the main characters in the story is this girl who gets to join the elite superheroes and finds out it's not what she thought it was. You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, it it was, for me, the first episode's very, very intriguing. There are things that I don't love about it, but... If you like this whole morality tale of getting what you want and the other side of hero heroics, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say heroism. That's not it, heroics. Yeah. <laughs> then I think it is. I think it's a good exploration. Cool. I want it's like eight episodes. I watched all of them back to back. Amazon Prime, check it out. Nope. Okay, so um, that is pretty much it. That's our episode, you guys. Uh, is there anything you want to say? Um, no, I think I think we're good. Okay, so uh, thank you for listening to Brown Meets World. Remember, you can find us on all the places. If you're listening to us now, just come coming back because that's where we are. <laughs> you can leave us a rating, do all the things that you guys usually do. We really appreciate it. All of it at Brown Meets World or email us at World at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter ranting about uh, Pose or Real Housewives of Potomac or um, how gun laws won't change anytime soon. Uh, again, I am, I'm very eclectic in my interests. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Instagram at a braver me, at dot braver dot me, and I will be just not listening to the new Chance the Rapper album. So that's what I'll be up to. Is it an endorsement? That's not an endorsement. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Remember to dream. Try. And do good. Motherfuckers. Later, bros. Peace.